Phil, we have the kind of central element of Mark's gospel as our reading for this week, Mark 8, um, and some really very, very difficult words. Uh, I'm hoping you're going to save my bacon on this one. Oh, I guess if it's a Jewish text, it's not my bacon, it's my bacon. I don't know. But anyway, help me. Spare your bacon. <laughs> Tell me what's going on. Well, clearly, um, the lectionary is moving about a bit at the moment. I think yeah. last week we were back in Chapter 1, having been in Chapter 9 the week before. So clearly we're moving around a bit. And I reckon the intent of the lectionary shapers is to fit readings for Lent. Yep. And for the second Sunday of Lent, this is a very, very good reading because it has those words of Jesus teaching about if any person wants to save their life, uh, they'll lose it and um, give it away and you'll get it. And um, they seem to me to be very good uh, lessons for Lent. But my curiosity here is the division that the lectionary has made because the first half of this is the first passion prediction yep. and then the second half of it is this key teaching of Jesus. Um, and when I looked at another Bible, it divides those two, whereas the lectionary's clearly got an intent in putting them together. So I guess the preacher's question is, what do those words of Jesus about giving up your life for my sake and following me, how do they relate to the passion prediction that he's just made in the earlier verses? Very good question. What's the answer? <laughs> you want me to answer it? Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm taking notes. Well, I think that... <laughs> Well, I think the, the, the inference of the lectionary shapers, if not the Gospel of Mark, is that discipleship and living the life of following Christ and therefore forsaking, which we do in Lent, um, all of those sorts of things come off the back of a recognition that you are the Christ. Right. So but, but not the Christ that Peter thinks, like not the Messiah that Peter is thinking of and not the one that Mark's community might be thinking of either, because um, if, as we said going way back, Mark's gospel is the story of the suffering son of God, yep. then here's a really key text in that he's telling them now he's going to suffer. Yeah. And I think he's asking implicitly out of that, can you still identify me as being the son of man if I'm going to suffer? And if you get that right, then, yes, I'll lead you into this teaching that says, well, then you're going to have to expect to give up some stuff and have your own form of suffering. Yeah. So it makes sense. You get the, the chain of command there? I do, yeah. Yeah, that makes real sense. And I can see then why the lectionary compilers have put it in that way. What, what bothers me is and, and it, how hard it is, though. Yeah, go, go on, I've interrupted you. Well, I thought there's a really interesting uh, little extra in that the gospel says, and it's in the reading, and let me make sure I'm being fair to the text, uh, the gospel says that Jesus made this very plain to them. He made this very clear to them. Yeah. 
In other words, a bit, a bit like you might be struggling. Maybe they struggled to hear this. They didn't want to hear it. And Jesus is being very emphatic in that the Son of Man is going to go to Jerusalem and there he's going to suffer. Yeah. And which, which goes to the question. So is there a need for the gospel? There must be well, more the point I was going to make is that. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting a message that your bandwidth is low. Well, that's a bit, bit personal. <laughs> Maybe that's something to do with your response to this text. <laughs> Go on. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, just like us, the disciples and the Markan community still had this resistance to a son of God who would suffer. Because a son of God is meant to be victorious. A son of God, we're surrounded by opposition powers. We've got the Romans. We've got the religious authorities. And it, onto the scene comes a son of God who says, I'm going to have to suffer and so are you. Um, is, is there behind the text this inference that, oh, come on, Lord, that's not how it's meant to be. We want to be victorious. We want to, we want to overcome this stuff. Um, and then, of course, Peter plays out that very thing by saying, no, 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 you mustn't, you mustn't do that. Um, does Peter want to stay comfortable? Um, does he want some compromise that's going to bring safety? That's a really good question. And maybe that's why Jesus is so uh, harsh with the idea of the cross, which is the thing that I stumble over in this reading more than any other. Uh, if he had said, you know, you're going to suffer like I'm suffering and that's the way of discipleship, but this idea that you would actively pick up your cross, uh, I find so startling. And, and, and I find the usual way we've, I've heard this dealt with, that is, you know, you have to put up with your, the suffering that your life brings. Um, you stop complaining and just get on with it. As to be sort of monumentally unhelpful and, and, and sort of so much less than the text seems to be wanting to say. Yeah. Well, of course, the interesting thing is that we know Mark has this incredible emphasis on the cross. It's like his whole gospel is held in suspension until we get to the cross and the declaration that truly this man was the son of God. But curiously, we find this same teaching existing alongside in Luke and Matthew. Mm. Um, now, of course, they probably picked it up from Mark uh, because we know that they use Mark as a common source. Yeah, I wonder if the point, Paul, is not so much about the symbol of the cross as a symbol of suffering, but about your expectations of the Son of God, the one sent from God, mm. that really Jesus's purpose and Mark's purpose in these texts is not to emphasise the cross and say, oh, dear, you're all going to have to suffer, you're going to get nailed too. It's not meant to be that drastic, but it's to say, You've got your expectations of who God would send all completely skew-if. And so Jesus has to go to great lengths because they just don't understand. Yeah. I wonder, that, that's a really good way of thinking about it. I wonder if that links with Jesus' use of the word Satan in relation to Peter. Either he's calling Peter Satan or he's sort of seeing Satan somehow in the, it's hard to tell, but... But, but Satan, essentially, in the Gospels, is the counterfeit God, it, 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 an alternative to God, an easier uh, way of, of gaining power and, and kind of insight into the world. 
and that that maybe that's what's what's going on there that that jesus is saying there is no counterfeit to this there's no the reality of this is that this is the way your life is going to be if you want to be a disciple the problem is my life isn't yes like and, and yeah but uh, what i wonder as i said stretching it uh, peter's mistake seems to be that he's got in his head a different image of the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. Because he correctly identifies Jesus, but then immediately says, no, Lord, you mustn't suffer. So I wonder if instead of saying literally with the suffering and the cross, the, the broader point here is you haven't understood the nature of the Messiah and therefore the nature of the God that I come to reveal. Yes. Um, which is all embracing of everything. It's not just a God in good times and happy times, but, but a God... Uh, who's all embracing of all that life will be. Um, but this is where the emphasis falls. So it's a little bit unbalanced because they haven't got it. So we've got to bring the seesaw back down on the other side. Yeah. Am I making sense? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that goes to what I'd said about the counterfeit, that, that it, you know, in a sense, a counterfeit is like if you've got a counterfeit $20 note, um, you've gotten it without any of the effort that it's required to accumulate 20 actual dollars. Um, and, and whether Jesus is saying that this is the only legitimate way of being in discipleship, that anything less than that, any kind of throwback to a, an all-powerful Messiah who will just come in and wipe everything out, is always going to be counter to who God is and how God works. Yeah, yes. And, and it's a a completely giving Messiah, um, so giving, in fact, that he lays down his life. Um, so really the, the message we're meant to take away is not the suffering, and if you're going to follow me, you're going to suffer, but our understanding and expectation of, of who God is and who God demonstrates in Christ. Yes, that's great. We're, we're over our time. That's a perfect ending. And I think that gives me some hope uh, for, for putting a sermon together for, uh, for Sunday. Thanks. Okay. Are you going to finish them? Or you did? No, I'm finishing right now. <laughs>